This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. White boy Malcolm X. And this is rhetorical, princess. So just sit there and look pretty. If you can. But how could I have forgotten the beginning of pride? How could I have ever forgotten about pride on our first podcast in June? On last Friday's podcast. And again, princess. Rhetorical. Although with pride, let's be honest here, folks. What was once gay pride or gay and lesbian pride, that's now trans pride or it's queer pride. So pride for heterosexual kids with personality disorders who like to play pretend gender identity and have Super special pain in the ass pronouns for attention. That's what pride's basically become a celebration of our new gender identity overlords. If you're gay or lesbian or a part-time gay or lesbian, a bisexual, get to the back of the bus. The tribe are lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe is all about gender identity now. So if you're gay or lesbian or a part-time gay or lesbian, again, a bisexual, you want to get with the program. All you need to do is get you some gender affirming care. Trans away that gay. Speaking of pride, though, there's a great article in The Spectator. Who is pride really for? And that was by Andrew Doyle. And how's this pull quote, which picks up a few paragraphs in. And it's kind of long, just to warn you. But how's this? Who is pride really for? With equal rights for gay people long established, pride has gradually morphed into a self-satirizing celebration of narcissism, where avaricious corporations can pose as virtuous by merely flying a flag and tossing off a few hashtags. Whereas the struggle for equality for those who are innately same-sex attracted was tangible and important, we are now expected to show solidarity for heterosexuals with a kink. Or as I like to say, a heterosexual with a personality disorder. The very concept 
of a 2SLGBTQIA plus community and all its attendant absurdities has made pride a laughing stock. You can say that again. A new ideology has hijacked the pride movement, one whose commissars, or as I like to say, our new gender identity overlords, are obsessed with group identity and the belief that gender is more important than sex. This has grave consequences for gay people. In her book, Time to Think, Hannah Barnes found that between 80 to 90% of adolescents referred to the Tavistock Pediatric Gender Clinic in 2012 were same-sex attracted. Studies have long confirmed a correlation between gender nonconformity in youth and homosexuality in later life. At the Tavistock, staff used to joke that soon there would be no gay people left. Somehow, the medicalization and sterilization of homosexuals has been reframed as progressive. Like I said, folks, you gotta trans away that gay. It's an amazing piece. This article in The Spectator. If you want to read all of it. The title again, Who is Pride Really For? By Andrew Doyle. Oh, and real quick. And on a programming note. We're here today, obviously. But, I'm out of town a good bit of next week. I'm out Monday night and back to Boston on Friday night. So we're doing this midweek show now and then naming for another one. Well, either sometime Sunday or Monday before I catch my flight. Wanted to get a couple in before I stepped away for a few days. So let's go ahead and jump into things, folks. And this first one is from the New York Post. Record attempt for Atlantic crossing in smallest boat ends in tears as three-foot vessel is destroyed. This story is just... It's sad. On so many levels, many, many levels, it's sad. This guy, and his name is Andrew Bedwell. He's a 49-year-old sailor and sailmaker from England. And he has, or he had, this little, it was a 3-foot, 10-inch boat. A 3-foot, 10-inch boat, folks. And Andrew here, he thought it would be a brilliant idea to sail that three-foot, ten-inch boat, which he called Big C, whatever the hell that means. But his brilliant idea was to sail Big C across the Atlantic, a 1,900-mile trip from Newfoundland to the southern tip of England, which would have taken him more than 90 days at sea in a 3-foot, 10-inch boat. 
And so the big day comes. He starts off on his little voyage. And his three foot 10 inch boat started to take on water. Like right from the get go. And by the time he got back to the harbor, Big C was done. Long story short, Big C is done. And what do you think he did after that, folks? This 49-year-old man, who's probably damn lucky he didn't drown during this whole thing. Andrew here, and you can't make this crap up, folks. He goes up onto Instagram, and he cries about it like a hysterical millennial Gen Z kid does. You know how the kids are these days with these performative outbursts. Starbucks changes their ice cubes. Someone forgets to call them Zier. They can't get a ticket to a Taylor Swift concert. Don't get to see her magical hoo-hoo up close and personal. They all go up onto Instagram or TikTok throw themselves a public fit. And this guy, who is Gen X, embarrassingly so, is Gen X. He's acting just like a millennial Gen Z kid. Hysterically crying on Instagram over this stupid little turd of a boat. Now I get People wanting to chase their passions. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's like with that. We had that story. The young lady who wanted to go climb Mount Everest. Climbing mountains was her passion. And with that one, I was like, good for her. Go do it. If that's what you love to do. Of course, we made fun of her for wanting to take all this time off, wanting her employer to basically basically give her unlimited time off to go climb these mountains. She actually quit her job because they finally put their foot down about it. I took up snowboarding as my midlife crisis. My ex took up crystal meth. I took up snowboarding. And I moved to Colorado. True story, folks. I moved out to Colorado just to chase my passion for a couple of years. I was on the top of Keystone Mountain when something told me to move there, which I did. So I totally get it. And with this, I'm not making fun of this guy because he's chasing his passion wants to break some world record or something, trying to cross the Atlantic. But, but, him crying on Instagram about it, about his little boat sinking. Really? Enough, all of you. Enough with the performative crying on social media. It's boring already. 
And let's be frank about something else. The very idea that he was ever going to make it 1,900 miles in that little boat, that three-foot, 10-inch boat, the very idea that is irresponsible and dumb. That's an entirely different level of stupid. The damn thing was never going to be able to make that trip. And above and beyond putting his own life at risk just for some fleeting attention, at whatever point he'd have to call in for help, he'd be putting other people's lives at risk trying to save his ass from his own recklessness. Also, he could get his 15 minutes in. So, Andrew, enough with the crying, princess, and be thankful that the boat sank when it did, that you're still alive to tell the tale. And the next time you try this, get a bigger boat. From the Daily Wire, Lizzo says she's close to quitting music over comments about her body. Oh, please. Who the hell does she think she's kidding? Her threatening to take all her toys and stomp home. Which, if Lizzo stomps home, God only knows what kind of earthquake that's going to cause. There, I made my fat joke. But this nonsense, her pretending to be close to quitting over people making fat jokes, like she'd ever give up the attention she's getting now. The Benjamins she's making now. No. Her whole shtick is being morbidly obese and wearing... Well, not wearing much, unfortunately. Strutting around, trying to pull off this obesest, sexy thing. More of this Alice in Wonderland thinking, where obese is normal, and it's thin people who have the eating disorder, trying to pull off a version of what our new gender identity overlords are attempting. Accusing anyone who doesn't think Lizzo is sexy, who refused to masturbate to sexy chubby Lizzo as some sort of bigot, like what these poor lesbians out there have to put up with. If they don't like lady dick, if they're not into women with penises, then they're transphobic bigots. And I've heard her sing. Lizzo sing. And to me, meh, she's okay. Now, she's not like Nepo baby Miley Cyrus or anything. It's not like she sounds like cats are being tortured or anything. But I don't think, and I actually watched part of her HBO special to see what all the fuss was about. Now, she's a fine singer and all. But I don't think she's got, well, she's not Adele. She's not Beyonce. She's a 
and this is just my opinion, folks, but I think she's a a middle-of-the-road talent somewhere between Nepo baby Miley Cyrus and Beyonce, and who's probably done as well as she has because she's fat, and the weirdo body positivity people have made her a bit of a martyr. Oh, how dare you judge her for being fat. But at the end of the day, unless she's just tired of singing, tired of being in the spotlight, yeah, right. And she's got some serious FU money socked away. Again, yeah, right. She's not giving up this cushy gig. Not over some fat jokes. If anything, this is just to get her some more sympathy. Poor little princess here. Poor little fat princess here. And to get her some more media adoration and attention. And since we just gave her some attention, let's move on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From Fox Business, Amazon workers plan to walk out over return to office policy, climate impact. Thousands of Amazon employees plan to walk out globally, hundreds at Seattle headquarters. Speaking of taking all their toys and stomping home, these spoiled brats that work over at Amazon them having a public fit over recent layoffs, a return to work order, and the company's environmental impact. So in other words, they're just pissed off about the return to work order. That's all this really boils down to. They just hate, 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 hate being made to adult. Like with those hysterical brats at Apple throwing a fit over having to come into the office a few days a week. And the same thing here. Amazon expects employees to come into the office three days a week. They still get to screw around a couple days at home. And Amazon, they've cut 27,000 jobs just since last November. It's like Twitter. Twitter's down to about 25% 25% of their employee base 
before Elon Musk took over. And guess what? The platform still works just fine. I can tweet away just fine. And Amazon, 27,000 people are gone. And at least to me, things are working just fine over there as well. I can still order something and have it to my house in a day or two. So it makes you wonder, like over at Twitter, them losing three-fourths of their employees. And I think Facebook, they've laid off 20,000 or so employees. Their garbage platform is still working. But it does beg the question, what the hell were all those people actually doing? Obviously, not much of anything. Working, wink, wink, from home. Okay, princess, if you say so. And this virtue signaling over the company's environmental impact. What a joke. And Amazon has this employee group. Amazon employees for climate justice. So a bunch of hysterical millennial Gen Z white chicks crying about their first world white people problems, shedding their white women's tears. Oh, boo, boo, we want climate justice. Boo, boo. And the Amazon employees for climate justice, they're demanding all electric vehicles, talk about a first world white people problem, and that Amazon quit building pipelines for data centers. What the hell do they think pays for all that? Pays for their cushy little Amazon gigs, where they get to cry and complain about stupid little things like this. Amazon Web Services, or AWS, and this is from a CNBC article, Amazon's cloud business reports 20% growth in fourth quarter, missing estimates. But in this article, AWS, just in the fourth quarter of 2022, so in the last three months of 2022, they produced $21.4 billion in revenue. Now, it's only about 15% of Amazon's total revenue, but that thing is a cash cow. It brings in about $20 billion a year in profit. I think this thing is going to be a bit of a dud, though. They've only got, like, at least according to this article, 1,920 employees so far to sign up for this stupid thing out of an employee base, a global employee base of about 1.6 million. So statistically speaking, basically no one has signed up for this. Around 900 in Seattle are going to throw a fit and they'll probably get mugged while they're out there. And some are going to virtually walk out. Which means they'll do what they do every other day they're remote. Not open their laptop all day. 
then brag about how much more productive they are at home. And while they're out doing their little walkout, out getting mugged, throwing their little temper tantrum, no one will miss them. From page six, Kylie Jenner seen leaving Timothy Chalamet's house for the first time since dating rumors. Talk about a hot mess inside a dumpster fire atop a train wreck. Kylie Jenner and Timothée Chalamet banging uglies. Her I get. Her wanting to go out with him, I get. She's one of these famous for being famous clowns. Has no discernible talent whatsoever. She's another Megan Markle. A vapid social climber. Desperate for attention. Like her dopey sisters. But what I don't get... What's he getting out of this other than getting laid? Which he could do with plenty of other women out there without her baggage. Plenty of other women out there who could easily add two plus two without struggling for 10 or 15 minutes. He's a world famous and I would say very talented actor. I'll give him credit where credit's due. He's a very talented actor. So it does beg the question, why would he bother going out with her? He sure as hell doesn't need the media exposure. And hanging out with a Kardashian, trying to have a halfway intelligent conversation with a Kardashian, that's got to be a brutally painful experience. Having to filter through the banality of it all. And she apparently just got out of a relationship a few months ago. So, maybe possibly, Timothée Chalamet is a rebound for her. She was dating some rapper, Travis Scott. No idea who he is. And she's his baby mama. She's got two kids with this guy, this rapper. She's got a five-year-old and a one-year-old. So she's got a baby at home, and she's out every night, or practically every night, getting banged by Timothée Chalamet. Which I would think, that's got to be, you want to talk about opposite ends of the spectrum there. She goes from some black rapper getting banged by a black rapper to getting banged by Timothée Chalamet and his 10-year-old boy body. After getting banged by a real man for a couple of years, getting knocked up twice by a real man. She's out sleeping with a tween boy. And she was probably their first time doing it. Are you in yet? 
So I give this, this little whatever between these two. Oh, who really cares? Both of them are going to wind up gravely disappointed in the other. At some point here soon, he'll figure out, if he hasn't already, that she's a dingbat, a vapid social climber, and she'll realize, if she hasn't already, what it's like to sleep with a tween boy. So she'll, if she doesn't go back to her baby daddy, she'll trade out Dumothée Chalomet for a real man, not some scrawny little waif of a man. And both of you, while it lasts, you have fun with that. And for our last story, folks, it's from the New Yorker. The rise of Latino white supremacy. At a time of increased racial violence, Latinos are potential perpetrators and potential victims. Yes, you heard that right. Latino white supremacy. That's Latinx white supremacy for all you snooty white liberals out there. Which I guess is a new version of white Hispanic. Remember when it was George Zimmerman when he shot Trayvon Martin and I think it was the New York Times, the woke New York Times that called him a white Hispanic to which everyone was like, White Hispanic? What the blankety blank 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 is that? That is what the woke New York Times pulled out of their ass because they needed the narrative, this contrived narrative that all whitey does, evil racist whitey, is to go out, hunt down black people to shoot. Like with Popo. All Popo does is go out, find black people to shoot. That's the narrative. So when George Zimmerman, who's Hispanic, again, Latinx to all you snooty white liberals, when he shot a black guy, they had to make it fit the narrative. So they made up white Hispanic. And let's not forget White adjacent. And you Asian folks know what I'm talking about with that one. That involves the narrative. Another narrative. That standardized testing is racist. Tests like the SAT are racist. Because black people, on average, they don't score as well as whitey does. So the test itself must be racist. The problem with that argument, though, is that Asians, they score better than Whitey does on those tests. Asians mop the floor against all of the races when it comes to these tests. In order, generally speaking, it's Asians, Whitey, Hispanics, and then Blacks. So what do you think the woke folk did? 
when Asians came out on top with the test scores. They started referring to Asians as white adjacent. They're not really white, but Asians, they're kind of sort of white. Especially when it involves the grift. The spoils of affirmative action. Asians shouldn't be considered minorities. Asians should not be eligible for affirmative action perks because they're just like whitey. They're white adjacent. And this thing with Latino white supremacy. Do I even need to mansplain this? How dumb this one is? How absolutely moronic this is? What sort of twisted hysterical liberal logic gets you to a place where that makes sense? More Alice in Wonderland thinking from the New Yorker, which is just another version of the Atlantic. Pretentious journalism for rich white liberals. This is an article so muffy living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, when she's out with her girlfriends, she can show how sophisticated she is. Oh my, I read in the New Yorker about Latino white supremacists. Isn't that horrible? How provincially racist they are in the South. We're so lucky we live in Manhattan. Oh yes, Muffy, so provincial indeed. And I read in the Atlantic about the stealth wealth fashion craze. It's like a cottage home in the Hamptons. If you have to ask how much, you can't afford it. That's how I imagine. How hysterical, rich white liberals talk to each other. Like a couple of self-important douchebags. Humble bragging about how sophisticated they are because they live in a certain zip code and read garbage like the New Yorker. So on that note, since I cannot top this silly article in the New Yorker, pearl clutching over the rise of Latino white supremacy, even if it's just one more silly contrived narrative for leftist journalists to foist upon us. Since I cannot talk that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this midweek edition of the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week, a good start to your weekend, and we'll see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care.
softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.